speak from my heart. <clears throat> so I have some notes, but they're different than what I had been working on. In a way, my title is still The Transforming Power of the Gospel. But as I was studying this passage this week, and for a couple weeks actually, it kept coming to my mind that this is a matter of the heart, a matter of the heart and the mind. So how could I not speak from my heart and give you some of my heart in what God is teaching me and continuing to teach me um, and transforming me? So notes from the heart. Um, we're going to start out in Romans 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. I'm going to stop there just for a minute so I can gather myself. I have a story. Earlier this week, I had the privilege to sit in on a Monopoly marathon. Well, it was kind of the end of the marathon, but uh, it was three brothers, and they had actually set their alarm clocks Monday morning. I don't know for sure what time, but I arrived at the game at 6 a.m., okay? And this is the second round, uh, or the second day of this game. You know Monopoly. It was incredible. So I was excited to observe what was going on, but I did right away notice there were still three players. And in Monopoly, by the second day, at least in our household, it was usually down to two. Um, and it was pretty fierce at that point. But there were still three. And as I looked across the table, little brother didn't have too much money in his bank. Um, and so when I asked about how this it still were three in the game, I was told, well, little brother has showed quite a bit of grace. So I thought, well, this will be interesting. So the game began or continued, and I sat there and got to actually observe this phenomenon and how he was still in the game. And um, little brother's turn came around, and he, oh, shoot, he landed on a property with a house. He had $12 in front of him, <laughs> okay, so he didn't, would not have last. Both older brothers looked kind of sad and concerned and like, let's figure this out. I'll tell you what, how about if you roll doubles, you can stay there for free and it's all, we'll show you grace, okay? Lo and behold, I mean, I couldn't even believe this. He rolled doubles. <laughs> so he got to stay there for free. The game went on. Of course, little brother ended up in jail a couple times because that was the best place for him. <laughs> you know, he didn't have to keep going around. One time, big brother counted wrong so little brother could land on electricity instead of, you know, a hotel. So it was super great to see this mercy and grace bestowed upon little brother. Well, as the game progressed, he did land on a hotel, and the debt was excused until he got money. So we were still showing grace, but when you get money, you will owe me. You know, one more move, and oh, shoot, another motel. And... Um, 
second brother says, you can stay there, but when you get money, you will owe me. And uh, little brother, after so much of this, he was done. The game was over. He was tired of living under that burden of the debt hanging over his head. And so the game was over, and it was time for school. <laughs> so um, that is an example. Well, I just loved it. It was the highlight of my week. But that is not an example of God's mercy and his grace to us. I appreciate the songs that Jalise picked this morning because they show and tell of that mercy and that grace that's been bestowed on us and what we have in Jesus Christ. Today, we're going to focus a little bit more on our response to that. But don't forget what the mercy and the grace is. And if you are still wondering about what that is, go read Romans 1 through 11. It's been spelled out probably the best Paul has ever spelled out the gospel. Um, and so now we're in chapter 12. Um, <clears throat> one more thing. I did look at my notes. I do want to make it clear. This is a response to the mercy of God. This is not something we're going to talk about um, as a way to get God's mercy but this is because of all he has done for us. So in Ephesians um, 2, we read, But God, so rich in mercy, loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. So as I pointed out, the first really 11 chapters of Roman has spoken to us of God's mercy. Uh, we were sinners, there's none righteous, but now there's no condemnation for us that belong to Christ. <clears throat> Allison, so beautifully um, covered chapter 11 last week, and the end of chapter 11 ends... Um, with God's mercy, and Paul summarizes that really beautifully, too. So if you missed that, listen to her uh, message, but also read the very end of chapter 11. Um, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge. So, Romans 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, or because of all he has done for you, Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So now God is calling us to respond to that mercy. Paul's calling us to respond to that mercy. God's mercy is all-encompassing. Um, we now live under grace. Grace reigns over us. So it's entirely fitting that our response should be one of equally all-encompassing our entire persons as a sacrifice to God. Not just the form of praise or service, 
but our bodies, ourselves, our entire being. God wants the giver. I'm going to insert a personal story here that I had not planned on inserting, but I think it has to be said to, to help you realize where I'm coming from on these scriptures. For a good portion of my life, the, this particular scripture, uh, especially the second verse, do not conform to the pattern of this world that follows what we just read, was used um, very much out of context and in a way that it was um, kind of a battering ram over us. And it had very much everything to do with our outside appearance and um, our actions. Not too much to do with the heart. In fact, I don't even remember reading, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So being able to study this really now for several years, but again in depth this last couple weeks has been a true blessing to me to uh, focus on this transformation and how we're renewed in our mind. It's one of my favorite subjects, actually. Um, let's see. But in saying that, I want to clearly, clearly state that um, what I go on to talk about, in my opinion, is a matter of the heart and the mind and is not so much to do with how we look or what even necessarily what the world was represented to me in my thinking for several years was anybody it would have been all of you sitting right here, anybody that did not look or believe the same way we did. That was my world. That was what was considered the world to me. It truly brings me to tears now to think about. Um, so different perspectives, you know, different ways of looking at things. And thank God there's this other part, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And my mind continues to be renewed by the way I think. God changing my thinking. He's never done with us. Um, <clears throat> we can reflect back to Romans chapter 5 and 6 in there where um, we, we read about being transferred from the old realm to the new realm, which is our salvation. Um, that old realm of sin and death to the new one of righteousness and life. So this transfer was decisive. It was final. It does not isolate us from the influences of the old realm. We still have our bodies. And as I was studying this, what God kept bringing to mind is we've been fortunate in our family. I have seven grandchildren, and five of them are adopted. Well, four are adopted. The fifth is a hope to adopt situation right now. <clears throat> Some of the pr most precious memories I have so far of them is that final adoption day um, at the courthouse. Those memories will forever be etched in my mind. Um, seeing them get the pen 
you know, where they signed their little X on the line. Um, it, it, it's just very, very special moments. And these little ones, they were all different ages when that final adoption came. Um, but as I got thinking about this and how we still have our same bodies, I reflect on that. These little ones, they've been adopted into a loving home. Um, many people that care for them and love them, they're provided for. Now they have everything that they've ever want, plus more, I'm sure. Um, and even if they don't think so. Um, <clears throat> but they have a brand new life, right? They have a bright future. They probably will be able to go to school and college and all these things that necessarily maybe they didn't have before or would not have had if, if they continued on in the life they had. But they still have their little bodies. And um, many of you I know know that story and know that these little bodies sometimes come with um, a lot of hurts and pains and different things that they have lived in in this little short life before they've been transferred into this new realm. So for example, hypothetically, um, one might have been starved as a little one. Maybe they felt the pangs of starvation, malnutritioned. So they're in their new realm. They have plenty of food, but their little minds don't tell them that. They're still living in this body that said, I didn't get fed. So food is put in front of them, and they cannot eat it fast enough. So they have to be trained a new way. They have to be shown that there's plenty of food. You know, when the next meal is ready, when it's time, you will have more food. And they have to be taught and coached. And there's very, very different aspects. Every adoption is different. Every child is different. There's all kinds of different uh, things. But this came to mind to me to think new realm, but still that body, still those things that have been created because of the life that they had. Um, and certainly they can they do learn quickly and grow and change. But some things truly will be with them forever. You can't change your DNA. Now God talks about giving us a new life, and he does. You know, he takes us from that old life into a new. But we still, just as we uh, studied in, in Romans 7 about Paul, and that scripture, the back and forth one, you know, I do what I don't want to do, and the, you know that one. So Paul knew, you know, the struggle that we still have um, because of the body that we remain in. <clears throat> the transfer is final. God has saved us. When we come to him, that's final. But the transformation, it's a process. And thank God... He doesn't give up on us, and um, he gives us the tools that we need. So as Christians, we are to adjust our thinking about everything, really. Maybe we've thought before. I came to Christ as a young girl, nine years old, but my thinking was distorted because of the religious institute that I was part of. 
So everything in my thinking, or at least a lot in my thinking, has had to align with this newness of life in the spirit. I didn't necessarily know what life in the spirit was. And so it, it's caused a, a shift in the thinking and how I look at things and how do I change? How do we know how to think? I mean, we get bombarded with all kinds of things today. So how do we know what this transformation looks like? What is mind renewal? You've probably heard the, the quote, change the way you think and change your life. Well, it came from Paul, you know? Because he's saying, change your thinking, transform your life. And as we read on, Paul gives us concrete instances of the transformed way of life. We must pay attention to our thinking, the way we view ourselves and the way we view others around us. Let me remind you, this is not a list of a good, good job chart and you get a star if you do it. That's not what Paul's talking about here. Let's remind ourselves it's because of what God has done. The mercies of God, Paul says, now imitate God. So what does that look like? Well, as we read on in this chapter, I'm not going to read it verbatim for lack of time. Um, but <clears throat> ah, look what we start out with. Don't think you are better than you really are. Wow. Okay. Transformation. Uh, I think we can even apply here. Don't think less of who you are. Don't compare who you are, but use God as your measuring stick and um, your faith. Put your view, put your um, thinking, change it from maybe self to God or maybe lack of self-esteem to God, and it takes you to a whole nother place. God has given us all gifts. Many times we can think, we don't have any, um, or theirs is better than ours. Um, you know, our, our human minds can lead us down to all kinds of different roads. Turn your thinking into the direction of God. What are his gifts? What has he given me to do? And then use them well. That's transformation. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Don't be hip hypocritical in your love. And this is um, something that legalistic religion can and does do. Um, and so you really have to look inward and, and check your heart to know, am I truly loving or is this an act? Is this just something I'm doing so that I arrive to where I think I should or whatever? But do I truly just love? And we know, you know, when we look inward, we know why we're doing what we're doing. Outdo one another in showing honor. Change the way you think. Maybe you can look inward and think, I've been thinking a lot about myself. Let me kind of look out a little bit. 
oh, look at what that person is doing. Can you send an encouraging word? Can you honor somebody and saying, good job, I saw that you do that. I do that in my first grade class. Kids get tickets for doing jobs that I don't ask them to. And they love that, you know, but they always let me know, did you see that I did that? Yeah. Um, but let's be intentional about not only seeing, but saying. Um, words are, are an incredible power in the form of encouragement. So let's use that. Um, and God can, can continue to transform uh, our hearts to do those kind of things. The list goes on, and um, if you read chapter 12, you know what they are. If you didn't, go back and read it. <clears throat> you know, be happy with those that are happy. Oh, that's an easy one. <laughs> I think we would all sign up for that. But what about weep with those that weep? Sometimes that's harder. Sometimes that's hard to take time to just sit with somebody in their sorrow. Sometimes it's hard for us to see somebody in their sorrow. But let's take that time. Let's let God transform us and um, be more intentional about those things. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And once again, don't think you know it all. Um, This feels like a list when you're reading it. So let me remind you, it is not a checklist of, oh, I do that, so I'm good, or I don't do that. This is a matter of the heart. And that's what I want to continue to take you back, that remember what God has done for you. He wants you to have a transformed life. This is right here, right now. It's not a far off reach in heaven. But he's given us the tools right now to go, don't do this, but do this, and you will have a transformed life. Um, in Ephesians 4, Paul writes again about the same subject, mind renewal. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, righteous and holy. Now, in my old life, we had the self-righteousness down. So when I read something like this, I'm like, yeah, we're pretty holy. Mm-hmm. You know, and I have to go back and go, put on your new nature, created to be like God. Okay, what is God like? He was not self-righteous. He did not, these are not the, the things that we're reading here. And so I think when, when any time we get caught up in our own self and who we think we are, we can go back to God and realize, well, we're going to go, into this a little bit more, but realize what he's done for us, and it immediately um, takes away any of that self-righteousness that you ever thought you were holy. Um, so again, in Ephesians 4, we may think, well, what does that look like to be created by God, to be righteous 
and holy. Well, stop telling lies. Okay, that might not be a big deal for a lot of you in here. I could kind of check that one off. Let's go on. Don't let anger control you. All right, you know. Some of us can go, well, I don't have an issue with anger. Have you ever got offended? Anybody hurt your feelings? Does that control you? You might want to be transformed from that. If you are a thief, stop stealing. Let everything you say be good and helpful. Uh, well, that one's kind of hard to swallow. <laughs> everything you say be good and helpful. Why? So that you can encourage, be an encouragement to those around you or to those that hear your words. Wow. How great would that be? Don't bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. That one got me. I sat in a puddle of tears <laughs> over that one. Don't let, don't let me bring sorrow to God by the way I live. Remember, he has identified you as his own. That brings this list back into perspective. So in doing that, how do we live? Get rid of all bitterness. Oh, wow. You know, these are the kind of things that the lying, the stealing, murder, you know, those are, are pretty obvious, and we're like, yeah, we don't have a problem with that. But we start saying some of these, and bitterness is something <clears throat> I know I personally have struggled with. I love to hold on to stuff. I love to bury it deep and let it fester. Several years ago, I did that because of my life and um, the dysfunction that I had been born into as far as a family, the dysfunction in the church, and in my 30s, uh, I had a, a time of dark, dark depression. We didn't call it that back then. The institute I was a part of, you didn't, nobody could be depressed. You didn't, um, I don't know. It, it just wasn't talked about. So I figured it out. Me and God figured it out, but I couldn't pray. I couldn't read. I've told some of you this story before. And um, one day after sending my girls off to school, the, the mini blinds were all closed. The phone was unplugged because that was before we knew who was calling. And um, <laughs> I was sitting in my dark house for I don't know what number day that was um, in desperation. You know, God, I can't pray to you. I can't talk to you. Um, what do I do? And I had this devotional that I was trying to read. And I, it just fell open in my lap. And the subject of that devotion was forgiveness and letting go. And I sat there and read that, and that's what God used to penetrate this darkness that truly I myself could not penetrate. And he broke that free, he broke my emotions free. I was able to cry out to him, and I went down a list of people 
that had truly hurt me in my life. It wasn't an imagination. It wasn't something that didn't happen. I truly had been abused. I had truly been hurt by people. But the list, I went down, and with God's help, I forgave. And it was like a true weight fell off, and the darkness disappeared. Now, if anybody has struggled with depression, you know that that's not the end of the story. Um, but God is faithful to help us in times like that. And I, at that time, knew that there was more joy that I wanted to live than to live in the darkness. So I did make the choice then to move on, and God has helped me in that. And I know when I get to the brink, you know, and I know how to stay out of that hole of darkness now. So I'm thankful for that. But that bitterness is where that started. Yes, you might be legitimately hurt. Don't let it fester. Don't let it stay in there and grow into stealing you from the joy in your life. But get rid of all bitterness. And God wants to help you. He wants to transform you in that. Get rid of any harsh words or slander or any type of evil. But harsh words, slander, how easy is it for us to talk about the other person and walk on our way not even thinking how many people that affected by one misrepresentation or what we thought of the situation and we walk on? I've seen churches split over things like that. Where is God in that? Where's the transformation in that? Um, and God just says, if you're easily offended, let it go. If you're easily offended, forgive. That's one I've had to work on, you know? I want to be offended. I truly do at times want to be offended. And God says, no. I have better things for you. I want to transform you. Don't sit around. You think about, well, I'll think about it. When I am offended, it's usually because I'm thinking about me and what is the best for me in this situation. I'm not thinking about the other person or possibly another person when I want to be offended about something. So the end of this portion in Ephesians, it says, be transformed, imitate God. Imitate God. Um, I'm going to read right here. I didn't, um, my notes were very last minute, so obviously I added a few things as God brought them to mind. Um, but if in Philippians... And why did I just turn all my notes upside down? Okay. Um, two, five. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. 
Therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We're to imitate God in the way that Jesus came to earth and humble. He wasn't there fighting for his right, telling people who he was. And we have these scriptures to help us. And of course, we're like, well, um, many years ago, and, and Katie is so good at reminding us of this, is when we have a question about something, is to go back and model how did Jesus, truly, the old what would Jesus do um, thing, what would Jesus do? How would he model? What would he look like in this situation? So he came as, uh, you know, that scripture always just brings me to tears, that he came as a humble position of a slave. He took on humanity. <clears throat> So then, always, I don't know how this happens, but I feel like almost every time I speak, I get to read Colossians 3. Um, and this is just some of my, my favorite, I probably say that a lot, but it is some of my favorite scriptures. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. Change the way you think. I, I added that. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. Put on your new nature, and be. this is down in verse 10. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, one's nationality or race or education or social position is unimportant. I always like to add in there, or how many Facebook friends you have. That's unimportant. Such things mean nothing. Whether a person has Christ is what matters, and he is equally available to all. Um, I love that because I think that so uh, kind of encapsulates what we've been learning in Romans that, um, you know, this new concept of, a, of salvation was actually also for the Gentiles. And so here he's going, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what race you are. And, and that's the era we live in, education or social position. Back then it was very much a, a social status. And... Um, we don't live there anymore. We don't really know. I, I guess we do a little bit, but not not like other countries even that still have this big social status. I had friends that moved up here from Peru, and um, they always talked about having a um, like a live-in maid or whatever, and I'm like, wow. And well, they were mid-class there, and it was like huge. The classes were very huge there. You were either poor, mid-class, or upper-class, then you had more than one maid. And, you know, it's, so it's different in, in every country, but the idea of God says it doesn't matter. This, this is all wiped out. 
Um, he goes, it's equally available to all. Then he goes on to say in Colossians 3, be transformed. He doesn't use those words. Those are mine. But be transformed. How? How do we change our way of thinking? Clothe yourself with tender mercy. Be kind. We live in a world that is struggling to be kind. We live in a world where Christians are struggling to be kind to each other. God says, be kind. Doesn't say who. He just says, be kind. Be humble. Be gentle and patient. Make allowance for each other's faults. Wow, really? When you let somebody get by with something? How dare they? And that's the world we live in. And, and Paul's here saying, make allowance for each other's faults. You know, give them a break. Show love. And here we have, if someone offends you, forgive them. Why? Because after all, God forgave you. And if we kept that in our mind, and it took me a while to get there uh, with different people in my life, I really had to see God in a bigger light to realize I could forgive people that had terribly hurt me. Um, I still have to work on that because at times that bitterness wants to come up. You know, at times maybe something triggers that pain in your life and you want to go right back there. That's why transformation is a process. It's ongoing. We still live in these bodies. We still in, live in these bodies that want um, to have a bad day. Do you ever just wake up and want to have a bad day? Okay. Um, <laughs> we know Ashley doesn't. If she has a bad day, watch out because the whole world is having a bad day. Um, I call her Pollyanna because she does truly look at things that way. Um, but, I mean, there's just sometimes we're in a mood, you know, and it's a reminder of we live in the same bodies, but we can alter the way we think. And with God's help, the Holy Spirit's help, we can forgive others. We can forgive people that hurt us. We cannot be easily offended. And above all, he ends here, clothe yourself with love, which binds us together in harmony. I love that phrase, binds us together in harmony, because I think that's missing um, a lot of times in life. But God can bind us together as we show love to one another, as we are transformed by the Holy Spirit and we live out the things we've talked about, um, we can live together in harmony. And the very end, always be thankful. How simple is that? And I truly love that. Because that's a practice that I try to do. I try to keep a journal, and I am not perfect at this by any means. I have to remind myself to go back and write in my journal of what you're thankful for. I just started a practice of, um, I just started a journal, and it's titled The Red Seas in My Life. And um, I think it's so good to document 
um, our stories of where God brought us and we were in a waiting pattern and then the, the seas parted um, when the story is over. Some, they're ongoing and I have some of those right now. I'm sure you all do too in your life. But he goes, it doesn't matter, always be thankful. And I have found if you're having one of those bad days or if you're having a lot of pain and sorrow and um, traumatic things happening in your life, get a journal and write every day three things that you're thankful for and see if that doesn't change a little bit in how you feel. Um, can totally change the way you think about things. So to wrap this up, in view of God's mercy, and because of all he's done for us, what we sang about before, if I could remember the lyrics, I'd say them, but I can't. But we know for all he has done, let us offer our bodies and minds and our hearts as a sacrifice to God. I'm reading through uh, Leviticus right now. And I was going to bore you guys with about 10 minutes of what a sacrifice is. But then I kind of talked myself out of it because, you know, I think they all know. So you know what the old sacrifice was. And it was, you know, bringing an animal, slaughtering it, and it died. And that was the sacrifice, many times burned on the altar. God is calling us to be a living sacrifice. We are alive and so he wants to continue to transform our body, but we can give it as a sacrifice for him. So my prayer for me, my prayer for you, is that our vision can be like Paul's, that our minds are so thoroughly renewed that we know from within instinctively what we are able to do, what pleases God in any given situation. The only way we can do that is by being close to God and spending time with him. And I don't mean that you have to spend hours and hours reading. I mean, I love to read and study, but I know that's not for everybody. I can read and study, have three concordances or um, commentaries out on my desk and realize I am so far from God. So reading and studying is not everything. Spend time with God. You know, whether it's going outside somewhere and enjoying the nature if it's not raining. Um, whatever it is for you, you know what that communion is for God because he wants to transform us through that, and he will. As we continue to learn of him, my transformation is long forever, is long from being over, and I thank God for that. Um, I'm glad he didn't live, leave me 20 years ago where I was, but that he continues to transform me. He continues to give me new ways to think. And I love that. Um, as culture changes, as our society changes, we can look at things through a different lens. I love that. And I love that God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Um, but he can shift our thinking to catch up. So anyway. Thank you, guys, and um, I think I'm done. <laughs>